Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Going to have Jake Burns here in just a moment as uh, Zach connects with him on our Western Hotline. Before uh, we get into chatting with Jake, we'll set the stage, let you know what happened hour one. If you missed any of hour one, of course, you can go to WGR550.com on-demand audio. Check it out there. We had uh, Chad Dinaminesis of Expected Buffalo. We talked a little bit about the Ben Bishop trade that happened yesterday, uh, what it means from the salary cap implications, what it means for them potentially adding more goaltenders as we head into the free agency period. We also talked a little bit about uh, the rest of the league. We did not talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, which will be tonight, uh, Game 6, uh, with Tampa leading that series three games to two after going down two games to none to start that series. But uh, you know that should be interesting as we move into tonight and into the rest of that series if there is indeed a Game 7. Uh, coming up this hour, we've got Jake Burns again coming up here in just a moment of the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, Jake does great work. He does a great film breakdown um, that he does as well that I followed for a while. Does great work um, over again at the Orange and Brown Report. So we'll bring up Jake here in just a moment. And then right after Jake at 1230, we've got our very own Brian Kozil is going to join us to talk a little bit about a live golf league, uh, which uh, made waves this week as the uh, introductory press conferences and tournament takes place in London. It started on Thursday and finishes this afternoon. But without further ado, let's go to the Webster hotline now because joining me is Jake Burns. He, of course, does work over at the Orange and Brown Report. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake underscore Burns 18. Jake, pleasure to have you on again. It's been a while, man. Uh, of course, I uh, I love uh, following along, love your work, love your uh, love your takes. And uh, I'm, I'm happy you made some time to, uh, to jump on the show and talk about uh, the Browns and Deshaun Watson and everything else that uh no drama at all in cleveland so not not a lot to talk about no man no not a lot to talk about at all no not not a daily podcast worth of jargon <laughs> to uh to bring up every day my pleasure to come on man always always a uh always my my a good time and a Always enjoyed following you as well. Well, we're going to talk a lot of ball. We'll talk some X's and O's, but you know, obviously the the uh, the appetite for most folks in, in the Brown sphere is this Deshaun Watson saga. It seems like every day, heck, at this point, Jake, it seems like every hour there's a new development, a new story, a new publication coming out with new accusations. I know that part of this conversation will eventually get to Baker Mayfield, but I think doing this in a vacuum and and simply talking about 
all of the implications, all of the drama around Deshaun Watson and, and keeping it separate from, from Baker Mayfield, I know is something that you have done your best on trying to do because I do believe they're mutually they're they're not exclusive together. You can't you can have a conversation around Deshaun Watson without having to talk about Baker Mayfield somehow coming to the rescue. Um, because I, I know I follow you, and I know that's not where your head is, and it's probably not where anyone's head should be. Because I think these are two completely separate conversations. And starting with Deshaun Watson, Jake, where do you stand? Where does this fan base stand? Because with all of the new developments, we still haven't heard from the, from the league yet on what the suspension looks like. It can't be easy sitting on pins and needles waiting for what the suspension looks like when you want to just move forward and get to talk about football. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's a lot there just kind of like you led into where you know, you want to you want to separate the two, but you really you really can't because without Baker Mayfield's issues, there's no Deshaun Watson arrival, right? Like, you know, I think you guys uh have a pretty good understanding of a similar situation right if Josh Allen doesn't turn into what he becomes you start to become a little desperate I think you believe that you know most of the pieces around Josh are championship caliber now imagine you know Josh starts really well and then starts to slowly fade never gets better has maturity issues but they're still building this really good team around him and then you start to say we're a quarterback away from figuring this thing out as the same time the AFC continues to get better at the position, right? So, like, that's where the Browns are. They, they thought Baker Mayfield after his first and third year was going to be something he never, he never turned into. And they were very clear on the limitations, very clear on what his issues were and how far he could take them. Um, and they decided, hey, man, we are in desperation mode. We know that there's only going to be so many talented guys ever available. And because we're in desperation mode, we're willing to – I guess for better or worse, bite the bullet here and try to make this trade happen and deal with the ramifications and try to come out of it on the other side. Now, as we know, it has gotten somehow worse than when they originally traded for him, right? It's gotten, it's right. gotten worse because there's more things that have come out. Now, whether the Browns knew this or did not know this, I don't know. I'd have to think that they knew the, the plan of strategy for the, the, the defense attorney, not the defense attorney, but the uh, it's not a prosecuting attorney, but the representation of, those coming after Watson, uh, you know, were, were, he was going to have some plan to put pressure on Deshaun Watson simultaneous to the league and try to get him to settle. He's ultimately trying to make money for his clients, as he should. If there is no criminal uh, situation here, which we know, based on what we know, that there's no criminal element, then accountability usually comes in the form of money. So he is trying to put forth a plan to get money for his clients. So. Um, you listen, Watson could be guilty of this stuff. I, I, I try to say I'm not judge, jury, executioner. I, the stuff here is it's terrible optics. It doesn't look good. If you, if you had to put people in front of a yes or no answer, I believe most people would say that, yeah, something pretty nefarious happened here. So that part of it is rough from a Browns fan's perspective because really, like you said, Nate, all we want to do is talk about football but the decision to go upgrade the quarterback position the way they felt they needed to has brought so much baggage, and it's really, really challenging to stay, A, positive, and B, you know, even if Watson is some miracle here exonerated of everything, the civil trials come and go and he's not held liable or whatever, uh, I'm not sure the perfect word there, but he doesn't end up being guilty of having to, to, to pass along money, it's the character stuff is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's not going to go away. A lot of people have made decisions. And again, I totally understand that. 
So it's really a stigma that is going to follow the Browns for good or bad here uh, in perpetuity. And, and that part of it kind of stinks. You know, it's not that the Browns were the only team going after Watson, that anybody who needed a quarterback at this point, it pretty much seemed like they were requesting interviews with him if he was interested in listening to them. Um, but it, it just, it's, it's going to follow the Browns because of mm-hmm. how they went about actually going about securing his, his services. So, you know, I, it's, it's tough. I try to keep player and person separated as best I can because, you know, the NFL is the NFL. And we know every, you look up and down every roster, you're going to find some yep. things you really didn't want to find. But there's also an understanding here that the Watson situation is not a common situation. There is a high volume of people here with, with claim, claims against him that are very, very ugly. So, you know, that's what the NFL is weighing here, Nate, man. It's like, this isn't, we've seen issues that have led to suspensions that have come from situations with one accuser or uh, one incident or one deflated football saga, but we have not seen the volume right. of this right. nature and what that ultimately leads to, man. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of just sitting here like, how do we evaluate this team going forward? Is it going to be Jacoby Brissett? Is it going to be Watson? How long is the suspension? So, yeah, it's a really – it's just not a fun time to, to really – you know, this time of year, as I'm sure you guys are doing, you're really pumped. You're looking forward right. to what are they going to do to be better? What are the stat projections? What, that's not really what we can do right now. We don't really have that path forward until the NFL figures it out. Yeah, and I think that's the unfortunate part about it, right? And, and, and the Browns being a franchise who for so long have really – not been able to find a baseline level of success, and you you want to go get that franchise quarterback that can bring that to the franchise. But I, I think that you know there, there's a there's a level of almost like feeling of selling your soul a little bit, right? And yeah. and what you're willing to overlook, and you're talking about the volume of it, and and I think that's right. I mean, like if it's one or two women, um, this story does not have the teeth that it has. There, you're not going to see. But to to get the uh, to get more details this week about sixty. Six potential massage therapists in 17 months. So the, the thing that I think everyone can agree on is how abnormal this is for normal people, right? Like normal people have a tough time, which I think Jake leads people into thinking more and more that he is guilty is because it's so abnormal to think about a normal person using that many massage therapists in that short of time, I think makes it harder and harder for the common person to think that Deshaun Watson isn't innocent, right? Because of the sheer volume of it, but because of who he is, the money that he has, the power and the position that he's in, the common folk cannot relate to what he's going through. And I think that has also been a really big disconnector for everyone, including probably Browns fans who feel weird about it. Like, there just is nothing where you can say, oh, man, I had a buddy that dealt with the same thing, a false accuser, blah, blah, blah. Like, that does not exist here because of the sheer volume of it and the growing, it seems like, volume of it. Yeah, there's no doubt, man, that the, that – it's really hard to mentally get to the point where you can say 22 to now 26, 25. I'm not sure what the number sits at, but are all are all lying. I I I think that the thing, Nate, that is hard here is is yeah, like there's no doubt in my mind. And again, this is a family radio, so try to keep the PG. There's no doubt in my mind that he has a uh, um, uh, a, nymph, a nymph, nympho nature about him. I think is probably the best way to put it. He, uh, he definitely is into that sort of stuff. So, listen, you can be that way, but you can also not break the law. But it sounds like there are some things here that really, really pushed, that pushed the envelope here. And, and that's where 
it starts to become challenging. And you can see why it's challenging for prosecutors because it is a lot of he said, she said, right. in a situation of massages, which are already interpersonal as it is. Right. So it's very, it's very strange. Listen, there's, there's just, there's just no winning. Put it this way. There is no winning outcome. Like you said, there is no connection. Hey man, I got, I had a buddy of mine who had 22. No, you didn't. That never happened. There is no personal connection to this. So there are very few people in on Watson. And I have talked about this from the start, how he handles being the bad guy. Cause it does seem like in some way he's going to get a chance to come back to the NFL. Now, the nature of the length of that suspension, whether it's eight games, a full season, whatever, he will get a chance to return. And his contract pretty much says, hey, he's going to play again. But how does he handle being the bad guy? Because there is not right. – there are a faction of Browns fans who, who follow the team no matter what and blindly do it, and they'll cheer for him. And I get it. But there's also a ton of Browns fans on top of, as you said, a national – distaste for what he has done that is going to lead to some hostile situations and how do you handle that Deshaun Watson's been a guy who's been universally loved his entire NFL playing career when he's been on the field he is he has always been a guy that guys around the league have loved and 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 fans have been uh enjoyed him you know because of a lot of the things the optics have always been really good for him how does that how does he handle that you know i i don't know i i don't know there's there's a lot to to be understood and, and another thing too to consider here nate is if he gets an eight game minimum suspension which i am of the idea like my mind is fixated on 12 if it's less than 12 that's kind of a like a mini miracle um hmm. but i would expect 12 or more that's 20 what 25 27 29 straight games he's missed so that's a lot of football he right. hasn't played, too. So there's other that's elements to not only the person getting whatever comes out of the, the trial situation figured out, there's also he's missed a significant portion of football. He's in a new coaching staff's system. He's a lot of moving parts. You paid him a ton of money, and people are going to want it now. He's going to be expected to be on the field and be great now because the contract right. dictates that decision. So there's a lot of pressure on top of the personal pressure he's dealing with. It's the it's the professional pressure, which there will be a lot of people gunning for him, and 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 that is again, it's it's an understandable thing. So we'll see what shakes out. But I have called this the the, the biggest turning point in the in the Cleveland Browns franchise since they moved. I mean, it is a it is a monumental decision that they made. And listen, they might not have thought that. They might have thought, hey. Just like any other job, Nate, where you go out and you pass a background check, he would have passed a background check. So their thought is, hey, and this is largely the NFL's approach to this, which is this guy passed a background check and he's eligible to play and we'll pay him and he can play. But there's more to it. I don't think the Browns completely understood the magnitude right. of it all. Maybe they did, and they said even if we did, they just don't care, which, again, is another thing that people can throw back at them and say, hey, man, that's terrible because this isn't a – backup practice squad left tackle yep. this is a face of your franchise so there's there's just a lot man and, and i don't know this could be a situation where as many browns fans look at 99 is like hey you know 95 when they left is like i stopped caring at that point right there could be a similar situation here that i've already seen a massive divide and if this thing goes south in the first two or three years of this whole thing you're talking about an owner that has another ugly decision on his hands. You're talking about losing, a, I think, is a pretty good and 
head coach and GM because they tied themselves to yep. this decision. Right. And it has a massive like, – the floor – what do they call it? The, the floor and the ceiling here are so crazy, man. It's so crazy. So I would have not done it. I, I, I was uh, pretty pretty happy at the time, Nate, to have moved on from it when they when the announced or whatever source got out that the Browns were eliminated and kind of preparing to talk about some draft options and, right. and, and you know, how they handled maybe a Matt Ryan trade or something. And then that decision happened, and it was just like a sinking feeling because here we are, June 11th now, not talking about anything on the field. We're talking about more of the negative that he has brought instead of anything positive. So it's just tough, man. I'm with you. Jake, Jake Burns here of the Orange and Brown Report on the West Her Hotline. We're talking a little Deshaun Watson. I, I do want to layer in the Baker Mayfield part of this thing, which is, you know, I, I think there's a camp of people and there are probably very few Baker Mayfield apologists left out there, um, but they exist. Um, and I think if you're a Baker Mayfield apologist, you probably agree with the sentiment that Baker has had, which is, you know, he put his body on the line, he played injured. And um, part of that is the reason that he didn't play well this year. Um, and part of that is, you know, should the team have shut him down? Should he have shut himself down last season? Um, we know left shoulder injuries with quarterbacks have an impact on your ability to throw accurately. It, Josh Allen had the injury his rookie year, um, or sophomore year, I should say, his second year, and it affected his accuracy early in the football season. And you could tell when it was fully healed, he threw the ball with more accuracy, generally speaking. Um, you know, this has been an injury that hurts your ability to rotate and throw the ball with accuracy. So knowing that, Jake, where are you with what happens next for Baker Mayfield? Because, you know, the, the conversation goes to, is he playing for Carolina? Is he going to get traded? Is he going to get traded to Seattle? Is he and the team and the organization going to agree on, a, on an Odell Beckham Jr. type buyout where he takes less but gets it and gets his way, gets to be a free agent and goes gets a sign elsewhere? What is the resolution to all of this? And in your mind, what was ultimately the lead up to this decision short of just saying, we, this wasn't good enough, and we've made a mistake drafting him number one overall, and this is our solution. Yeah, well, I don't know where he's going to end up, man. I mean, we think there are two obvious candidates in Seattle and Carolina, but, but maybe Cleveland is trying to um, you know, play the wild card game of a preseason injury or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I know that they want to try to hold because they don't owe him a penny until week one. Yep. So they're they're going to play the patient game, which they should. I mean, in this situation, uh, the patient game is the only thing you can do. And I don't think they've had a ton of people like – I don't think they've told people no. I don't think they've had a ton of people calling for Baker Mayfield. So people will be like, well, they haven't done right by him. Well, I don't think there's a ton of people calling for him, man. And I don't think they want to just pay all of his $18.9 million to somebody else because that's the same as releasing him. At that right. point, you yep. just cut him and let him pick his team. So it's like, I, I listen, I get it that if some people want to be scorned about the decision they made and all that, that's fine. But, like, the the NFL is ultimately a can-you-do-it-or-can't-you-do-it league, and the Browns got to the point where they were tired of his immaturity as a leader, as a voice in the in the locker room, um, as a as a it's-not-my-fault type of personality. As, uh, as the season wore on, you could see that he was just rubbing everybody involved in the wrong way. And it just got ugly, and it, and it got ugly, and they and they they got desperate, and they made yeah. they made a move that we'll see, man. That move might ultimately be the, the the wrong move, but I don't think that that move necessarily meant that Mayfield was going to be here if it wasn't made. Like I just think they were done with him, so they were aggressive in a Kirk Cousins discussion. They were out there hunting for better options. So 
Uh, Mayfield is uh, is is going to get a chance somewhere. I you you made a point about the trade, or sorry, the Odell situation. It, it depends on on how desperate Baker gets to get out of Cleveland. Uh, I haven't sensed any desperation from him yet. So it, I think both sides are playing it patient. But if it gets to the point where the preseason, he's healthy, he's out there throwing and. Austin, Texas, or whatever, and he's ready to go, and he just wants to play. I could see him and his agent saying, "Whatever, we'll just eat half of this thing, and you cut us." They're not there yet. Cleveland's not there to eat all of it, and there is no trade that is worthwhile. Like the Panthers wanted to really have Cleveland pay all of, but like three point five million, right. and they weren't willing to do that. So, yeah, I just i I think they're going to just run it, man. They're going to run it to to the point that they can't anymore. And if it gets into the middle of preseason and nothing has shaken loose then they they might just let him walk so uh, the thing the only thing i know for sure is that he's not going to take snaps in cleveland that ship sailed yeah right after the season the ship sailed and, and it just got ugly and i think it was it was right for both sides to restart the nature by which or the the, the the degree to which the restart came has certainly been uncomfortable here but it was headed in that direction because he just wasn't good enough man and, and listen the injury stuff i get it uh, I, i'm with you the left side left side discomfort is never good never good for getting the front side open to throw the football but the way he handled himself the yep. adamacy to play the seeking a second opinion so he could play and it was pretty obvious that the browns tried to shut him down it was going to turn into a public relations nightmare because he thinks he's out playing for another contract and it was just ugly nate man it was really ugly and uh, it just it stinks that cleveland was in a position where the pick that they made in the 18 draft didn't yield the situation as again, I'm I'm just gonna say like it didn't yield Buffalo's result where they get the guy, the right guy at the right time for the right city, and it works out, and you don't have to go do that stuff. But they are in a position where their roster and everything they have committed fiscally needed a quarterback, and they decided that this risk was good enough for them to 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 do it. Now you know we'll sit here and talk in a couple of years, as I'm sure we will, and say, well, that was stupid, or you know it ended up being okay. But for now, it is. It is is a no win situation for Cleveland. They're just and maybe they knew this. Maybe they said, "Hey, I don't care. It's going to be really ugly for us publicly, and it doesn't matter because we see this vision working out. And and if that vision works out, good for them. But it will never be to the unit to the to the level of public admiration as many people had for like that lovable loser nature that Cleveland had. Now it's like their public enemy number one. Yeah. So, um, you know, it just sucks, man. It all like I don't know what other way to say. It. They might win. They might win multiple Super Bowls, but there will always be people saying things. It'll never come clean, right? So um, it just it's, uh, it's, it sucks. It sucks, man. But, but we'll, we'll, you know, we keep fighting the good fight, and life goes on, and, and uh, it's not that big a deal in, in, uh, in everyday life for, for people that have real problems in real lives. But it just for your NFL fandom, which is a really great escape, as you know. Yep. You know, it's just great to escape that daily grind. And um, when you have to do it and talk about the stuff that you and I are talking about. The heavy stuff, right. Ne- yeah, you never want to have to talk about this stuff. That part of it sucks, man. But we'll keep plugging on, brother. Last thing I have for you, I want this from the X's and O's side of things. Obviously, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett could be playing meaningful football here early this season. But from what you've seen from the limited clips of film, and, and I follow you and I know you like to break down film a lot, same way my buddy Eric Turner does, looks at OTA films, looks at some of the formations, it looks to me, Jake, that there is going to be a fundamental shift on where this offense operates. It still looks like it's going to be that bootleg, that 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 classic Gary Kubiak-level offense, but at the same time, it looks like they're moving this thing into more of a pistol, into more of a shotgun look with 
Deshaun Watson. And I'm wondering what you think of how that will look when Watson, if Watson, hits the field this year and, and how much different you can expect this offense fundamentally to look. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I think they're going to get a lot more creative here. So, yeah, more pistol stuff with some creative read option off of it, just getting cheap yards. Not that they, they're going to run him like, you know, we're going to run dash concepts or GT counter read option like Lamar does, but they're just going to run some some cheap option stuff that they can pick up some yards. Uh, but they'll definitely, definitely increase RPO usage because why wouldn't you? A guy like that who's done that stuff throughout it. And again, I, I got to reiterate, Sean Watson's really good. I mean, he's really good when he's when he was playing and he, you know, this last year in 2020. Like he's an extremely talented quarterback. So if you get that version of him, he's going to be good. And your your offense with some of the weapons Cleveland has, they'll be fine. They'll put up points. It's just a matter of how far do you go and can you continue to add weapons and uh, continue to get better. But, yeah, they'll do RPO stuff. I think that they'll definitely get into multi-level RPO stuff, down the line, tight end things, also getting in some some simplistic slant stuff behind it. But, yeah, they'll they'll still do pistol stuff because I think they like the idea of their three-step game just being more of a punch rock, get rid of the football. We used to call that punch rock throw footwork. Uh, but it also lets Watson get out get out quicker. You can still use a lot of your guard, uh, you know, your cow, power counter concepts that you like from that look, and and it keeps Watson comfortable. And it keeps Chubb and Hunt in, in a downhill nature, right? They can do that stuff. So uh, I, I think they'll wrinkle more of that in. They've only ran two snaps of pistol. Uh, Kevin has in his time in Minnesota and Cleveland as a play caller, but obviously different quarterbacks with different skill sets. But they'll do more of that. But they'll still do their boot stuff. They'll wide zone it. They'll do some different pocket setups that they weren't able to do with Mayfield. And obviously, you know, with it, you get some easy answers. Kevin's pretty good at finding easy answers. The problem was last year, in some portions of 2020, the easy answers just weren't found or they weren't delivered. If you can get those delivered and get some creative plays, as you know, what makes Josh special there in Buffalo is that he extends plays and he drives the football right. downfield and he finds tight windows. We, the, the hope Cleveland has is that some of those things that Watson was able to do in in Houston are, are now a part. I mean, they're not hoping. They're banking on it. I mean, yeah. $230 million banking on it that he can do those things. So, you know, anytime you have a quarterback that can do some of those things, it makes your offense better because you keep, you keep drives alive and all that stuff. But I wouldn't expect a wholesale change. They're still going to do their wide zone stuff they love. They're actually a more of a, of, a, of a gap concept run team power counter because of those guards they have. They love to move those guards. So they'll do some of that stuff still. But they'll, they'll put wrinkles in. It's like – it's like I, I always make the uh, equation of when LaFleur went from, from Tennessee as the OC up to Green Bay and Cleveland. He took that quarterback collective wide zone stuff with him, but he also really manipulated it to what Aaron's comfortable right. with. You know, a lot of that quick screen stuff, a lot of now throws, a lot of, uh, you know, layered, uh, layered three-tier read concepts, uh, whole field things. I think they'll, they'll, they'll mix in what Watson's most comfortable with and, and, um, and, and find the best offense for him. But, again, it's just a matter of, when the heck that's going to be. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes out for, for that information. Jake, tell the folks where they can find your work, uh, what you got coming up here as we uh, enter training camp season, man. We're like a month and a half away from training camp. Can't wait. I, yeah, I can't wait. Any football is good football right now. I just need some football. Yeah, um, you mentioned ahead of time, I'm at Jake underscore uh, Burns 18 on Twitter. And then, um, yeah, everything I do is at the Orange and Brown Report. So we're, we're a 247 Sports Network site, the, the OBR orangebrownreport.com everything is there we we try to we try to do the best we can to cover the browns from all angles of, of draft and analytics and and film content and all that stuff so if you ever get bored out there find some cleveland browns content with us i appreciate you having me on nate man big fan of yours thanks dude my pleasure likewise my friend same here big fan of yours keep up the great work and we'll uh, we'll do this again soon enjoy the rest of your summer right buddy
You too, man. Be well. Sir. All right, you as well. Jake Burns there on the Western Hotline. Going to take a timeout. Brian Koziel on the other side. We're going to talk about Live Golf. If you haven't heard about it, Nate, what the hell's Live Golf? will tell you on the other side here on WGR. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Erie here. We're going back to the West Her Hotline to talk to our very own Brian Koziel, host of Tea to Green, which airs every Saturday morning right here on WGR starting at 7. Two-hour specials for the majors. And he joins me now to talk a little bit about the Live Golf League. It started this week on Thursday, a three-round uh, tournament that started Thursday ends today. Brian, first and foremost, we've got some news uh, of some more players potentially leaving from the PGA Tour to go to live, including Pat Perez and one Harold Varner III. Um, live, at, at least from a top-tier perspective, getting DJ, getting Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, former major winners, are definitely storylines. But I think the league starting to fill in the rest of the holes with other top 100 players should bring that additional credibility. Brian, what is your initial reaction this week and the media coverage, how people have reacted, the PGA Tour coming out and suspending these players indefinitely? It has certainly been a week for the PGA Tour and for golf fans alike. 
it's probably been the worst week for the PGA Tour, I think, in terms of worrying about the future of their league and their tour pre-Tiger. You know, I'm sure that they had some weeks where they, uh, and some years where they had down weeks or they had money troubles or things like that. But, I mean, since, since mid-'90s when Tiger Woods arrived, golf kind of went up on the bigger stage in the sports world, and now it's being threatened, really, I think, for the first time in our lifetimes, I think, as being the number one league. Um, I do think at the moment the PGA Tour still is in the driver's seat. They still have the best players in the world. They still, quantity-wise, still have uh, a much longer list of high-quality players. But as you say, you know, they're, they're, there's a slow chip away here, and we saw it with DeShambo and Reed. We found out earlier this week, and Bryson made it official yesterday, finding out for $100 million for him to come over there. And now that some of these other players, I'm really surprised a guy like Harold Varner III, too, um, you know, a guy that seems like he's kind of starting to make his name on the PGA Tour. But these guys are looking for a big money grab in a hurry, and it's guaranteed. And I think that's probably alluring to these guys enough that they feel like, look, even if I sever ties with the PGA Tour and maybe never play again, I'm willing to take that risk because I might get, I'm going to get an enormous check in return no matter what happens going forward. Yeah, and I guess this is the conversation that a lot of folks have been having, Brian. It's this like moral argument, and it's hard to think about, right, like what, what, is, what, are, what is the moral argument we're even talking about, Brian? And I think this is where sometimes it, get lost, it gets lost, right? There's this idea that the Saudi-backed league is using this golf league as PR, right? I think the term sports washing gets used a lot, right, to try to, in the public eye, help people forget about the human rights violations. And that's what the whole situation surrounding Phil was, was some of the comments he made in regards to the media asking them questions. But to hear, Brian, you know, these guys who have taken the $100 million checks, I mean, between DJ, Bryson, and Phil, it's, you know, getting close to a billion dollars in just those three players, and that's before they win any purses. So listen, I mean, you don't have to convince me, Brian. Like, I'm not going to sit here on, on some kind of soapbox and tell you that if somebody offered me seven, you know, $500 million to go play golf in the, in, in, you know, for a Saudi-backed league, uh, no, I don't make that kind of money right now. It would be hard for me to say, no, that's life-changing money. But if you're DJ, um, if you're Bryson DeChambeau, um, you know, like the, it's not like those guys weren't making life-changing money prior. It just it seems a little hypocritical for them to not want to answer questions about you know the money because the money's coming from a place that a lot of people, whether or not there's hypocrisy in that, don't think is right to take the money from them. I think Ian Poulter's non-comment said a lot by not even saying it. They asked him. They say, well. What if Vladimir Putin ran a golf league and you had an opportunity to play in it and get paid more than any other golfer, would you take it? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about hypotheticals. Well, essentially, this is what you're doing right here. It's not not exactly hypothetical. Right. You are, yeah, you're, you're going to take money from a government that has done very, 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 very bad things when it comes to how we treat human beings of all genders and races and sexuality and all these sort of things, and it's extremely dirty money. Now, with that said, 
I'm sure if, Nate, as you know, the social media world loves yep. to spin and say, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Like, yes, are there other sports venues and ventures and events that we all enjoy and watch and support that have money coming from areas that maybe we don't like, whether it's big business, big oil, yep. uh, pe- people that run these things, that own these things, that maybe we have different social views on life than they do? Of course. So to sit here and say that this is the only, you know, I guess we'd say the, the only sports league in the world that isn't pure and wholesome, that's naive for you and I to obviously Agreed. understand. Agreed. This, just is, this is just right out here, and it's on the table. Yeah, this is the Saudi government. We're going to throw you the biggest check you've ever seen in your life. We want you to come over here and play so that golf can maybe be associated with our government to maybe make us look better like a PR scheme. And, you know, DJ DeChambeau, as you mentioned, these guys are already living the, uh, the top 1% lives right, of right. anybody else across society. So that, those are the ones that I am surprised about. The fringe tour players that are struggling each and every week to try to make, their, you know, make the cut, make the PGA Tour, keep their card, I can, I can understand why it might be alluring. Hey, I, you know, my yearly earnings might only be 180000 I know for almost everybody listening, you're like, well, Jesus, what's wrong with that salary? Well, when you travel every week yeah. and you have motels and meals and flights and you have a caddy and an agent and a coach and a therapist, and, you know, like that, there's weeks where guys lose money on the PGA Tour if they don't make the cut. So there's some things that could be attractive for the fringe players that haven't made it big, like DJ, like DeChambeau. But my thought is, after your Dustin Johnson is already worth over $100 million right. in terms of right. his earnings and his potential to earn money off the course of his brand, isn't it about how people view you as a golfer going forward at this point? Like, what is a hun- another $100 million going to do to your life? Probably not much different. You're still doing whatever you want, whenever you want. But people, if you want to be remembered for your golf, like, this changes by making this decision. So that's the part of it that I'm surprised about. It's the guys that are the top 20 players in the world, the DJs and the DeChambos. The fringe player, I can understand it, even though obviously we've made a strong argument for why going to this tour, it's maybe not the, you know, the the nicest thing to do. I keep going back to this point, and and it's easy – and there's not a lot of controversy in saying, like, okay, this fund that is paying for the players, that's paying for the league, that's putting together record purses, that is guaranteeing $120,000 to the last place finisher of these tournaments, all of this is fine and dandy to say, right? A billion dollars for three players. Imagine what they're going to pay for the rest of these guys guaranteed to get them over here. But regardless of how you spend this, Brian, a fund is really rich people investing into something that you eventually hope to get returns on, Brian. Like, there is no fund ever created that wasn't designed to at least bring some level of of gain, financial gain, and return on. I have a hard time believing, Brian, that if this league does not get a TV deal, if this league does not find a way to generate revenue in the next three years... I get it, right? Everyone thinks that they've got unlimited money and they'll just throw billions and billions of dollars at this thing out of spite. 
And I think that's a little utopia-ish thinking. I just think that at the end of the day, this thing has to eventually start to generate money for the people putting it in. Otherwise, I just don't know how it can sustain and last without a true TV deal, without some kind of level of sponsorships that bring revenue in. I, I think it's really a pie-in-the-sky thought that people are going to spend billions of dollars and never expect some of that money to come back in their pocket. I think... I, I, am I wrong in thinking that? I think that's a fair argument. And at some point, the relevance of the tournaments are going to come into play, I think. If you're just a natural competitor and an athlete, like, yes, getting paid nice is obviously very nice. We all would love to get paid a ton of money. But at some point, if you've made it this far, that you're at the top of the world, don't you, you want to play against the best players in the biggest tournaments. Well, there is no U.S. Open on the live tour there is no masters right. on the live tour and there is no PGA championship on the live tour however that to me is i think a huge piece you're talking about how long could this go how long could this last is it sustainable to me if the majors make a decision one way or the other and i think what you know what we should clarify for a lot of people here the PGA tour does not run any right. of the four majors Augusta National runs the Masters. The PGA of America, these are the golf professionals that work in golf, you know, at courses all across the country. These are the people that run the PGA Championship. The RNA runs the Open. The USGA, who makes the rules, they run the U.S. Open. The PGA Tour runs essentially all the other events, and they don't really have much to do with the majors other than it being on their tour schedule. Sure. Now, they're, they're, they're tight in terms of them working together, but to me, if these big players don't have access to the majors, I think that's a huge golf blow to the Live Golf Tour that could eventually maybe make it go away sooner than later. If these players have access to still playing all four majors, to me, that gives them a huge kind of bolt in terms of giving them credibility to say, look, you know, you know, no offense to the Canadian Open this week, but if, if I'm a guy that still doesn't – I'm not allowed to play in the Canadian Open, but I can play next week in the U.S. Open. Well, the majors – you know, and Tiger Woods has done this. He's made majors must-see yeah. events. He's raised – the by raising the level of the majors for some of these bigger golfers, that's what it's all about now. Look at Brooks Kepka. He's, he's even been criticized for saying, oh, how come you don't win on the regular tour? You only win in the majors. And he's like, well, that's what I care about. Like, Tiger's made golf about the majors. Um, the events in between – are good, but they have definitely, they're not anywhere near the same level as what the majors are. So to me, yes, we could sit here and say, will they run out of money? Do they need a TV deal? Do they need spectators? At some point, though, to me, if Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, can get the governing bodies of the majors to shut these guys out there, I think then you won't see many more players jump ship. But the clock is ticking. That's right. As you said, more players today, they've got to go ahead and try to get this done ASAP. The U.S. Opens next week. The USGA has already said, look, we, don't, we can't change the rules a week before the tournament. These guys that have qualified, we're not kicking them out. My guess would be the RNA that runs the Open in July will do the same thing, which means a lot of decisions come down to what does Augusta National and yep. the Board of Directors do at the Masters next April. And I think if if the PGA Tour that maybe at the moment can't financially compete, what can they do? 
if they can get the governing bodies, the four people that four groups that run these majors to shut out those golfers that play on the Live Tour, then I think that's a huge chip in the PGA Tour's card that I think will keep them number one and on top for a long time. Brian, uh, last thing for you, Belmont Stakes going on today. You're on your way to Batavia for Batavia Downs. Uh, tell the folks what you got going on today uh, and uh, what they can expect two to five this evening. Yep, I'm en route to Batavia Downs as we speak right now. Uh, two to five, Brian has an hour from Batavia Downs. Of course, our good buddy who always joins us during these Triple Crown shows. Uh, they're having a bourbon and whiskey party. Ooh. And, yes, I'm actually going to be doing my show from in the clubhouse where the party is. So uh, we'll have some good details there. Of course, Ryan's suit, you got to check it out on Twitter. That'll be uh, another thing that he always wears. That's great. But uh, Ryan's going to join us. Paul Hamilton's going to join us. Pat Malacarl's going to join us. We'll do some Bison, some baseball. We'll do some NHL playoffs. Uh, Dave Buchanan's going to join us. The Bandits can win tonight the NLL championship. He's in Denver, part of the broadcast team, so we'll have that. And then, of course, a lot on the Belmont in between. So uh, that's all going up 2 to 5. Awesome, Brian. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Enjoy your afternoon, and we'll look forward to uh, 2 o'clock when you take over the airwaves uh, for the coverage of the Belmont Six. Appreciate you, buddy. Okay, Nate. Thanks. Have a good rest of your show. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Brian Kozer there on the Western Hotline. I had a couple timeouts to get to. If you missed any of Brian's interview or Jake Burns from OBR, the, the Orange and Brown Report, talking about Deshaun Watson and the upcoming season for the Browns, of course, you can go to WGR550.com on demand audio. Taking a timeout on the other side, we'll get you previewed for hour three. We've got Mad Verderam coming up at one o'clock here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, quick recap of Hour 2. Thanks to Jake Burns of the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report, for joining us to talk about Deshaun Watson and the Browns as they enter into mandatory minicamp this upcoming week like the rest of the league. Thanks, of course, to Brian Koziel, who joined me on his way to Batavia Downs. He'll be back on the airwaves immediately after Sports Talk Saturday, 2 to 5, uh, for a preview of the Belmont Stakes. That's happening again from 2 to 5 this, uh, this afternoon, live from Batavia Downs. If you want to head down there, they so- it sounds like they've got a bourbon and whiskey tasting situation happening, which sounds amazing. It's a beautiful day, too. So make sure you head down to Batavia Down, see our man Ryan Hasenauer in his amazing outfit and suit. So thanks to those two for joining us last hour. We've got Matt Verderam of Fansided. We're talking the AFC. We're talking Chiefs. And we're going to talk about the absolute absurdity that is Tyree Kill. I don't even know a good word. Um, defaming. Um, Blasphemous take. Just absolute blasphemy coming from Tyreek Hill. So we'll hear what he had to say on a podcast earlier this week. We'll talk about that with Matt. That's coming up next here, so don't go anywhere on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.